retwig your best broom, call the candy contractors about the leak in your roof, and invite those nice children from outside the forest for supper. Because it's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am Nick McGill. And I'm Omen Said. We are Feckless Momes. And this is Talk Tell to Me, the podcast where we mix together magical ingredients one by one to form the life-giving potion that is the work of Jethro Tull. That's right. We, uh, we, we examine all of the reagents and make sure each one is used properly and determine its best use and whether it's actually valuable or not. And we fly on, brooms, on broomsticks. We fly uh, on let's, broomsticks. Let's be clear about we that. We fly. We do that. On broomsticks. Yeah, we can soar with the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see The Witch? Which witch? The the movie The Witch. W Y T C H. Oh, I have not seen. Oh, that. it's so good. It's one of the one of the better horror movies in recent years. Hmm. It's so good. Tune into our other podcast, Heckle Horror Movies to Me. In 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 parentheses, Nick references movies Omen's never heard of. Well, you know, it, it does cut both ways. Fair enough. It sounds like a fine film, and I'm sure the teenagers who made it were very pleased with themselves. Um you I'm going to force you to see this film now because you are going to be so tail between legs is it is it as good as uh troll hunters yeah hmm hmm are you are you are you setting me up because you don't think troll hunters was a good movie no i love troll hunters oh then yeah it's up there with our uh with our favorites on that for sure okay great yeah so <laughs> I just I don't ever trust the words you say to me anymore. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um so Nick, before we get into our song for today. Yes. Which is Witch's Promise. Which is the Witch's Promise, yes. Do we have any housekeeping to do? We do. Oh Mary, uh could you come over here please? Mary, I I yep. Oh, here are the papers. Thank the you, papers. Mary. Very good. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Mary. Yes. So we've got um, our, as as hinted last week, we've got our email. Yay! The subject is you, me, we, and some saucy flute action. Oh, my. Oh, wait a minute, Nick. Should we do like an email intro, like every time we, we have a, an email? I feel like even if I said no, you would do it anyway. So go yeah, ahead. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> how was that? I will clip it and save it. <laughs> okay, great. So this oh, is... Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> let me do one more. Yeah, please. <clears throat> 
your emails, sir. I like that one a lot, actually. Yeah, let's see that one. <clears throat> your emails, sir. So this is from the chap who actually gave us the rating and review from iTunes, the new one. Mm, mm. It is old, old Amby, Amby Jamby Cambies, <laughs> AJ Kerrigan. Yeah. And I will uh, read this delightful little email here. Please do. Please it says, do. hey there, momes. Going into high school, I only knew Tull from their main hits on classic rock radio. Mm. Somehow I heard about Thick as a Brick and it pulled me down a Tull hole. <laughs> you need to get yep. that checked out. I went back as far as this was, but have heard only a few stray songs after Heavy Horses. Mm. As for how I found your podcast, it was a crazy confluence of Tull occurrences. A Tullfluence? I like this guy. Uh. I like this guy. <laughs> He's listened to enough of our our stuff that that he knows a, a good portmanteau will just tickle my ivories. Go on, go on. Oh, oh, even better. A Tullfluence? Thought I had a vaccine for that. Ugh! It's wow. two. Two in one go. That's perfect. <laughs> I periodically revisit old Tull albums, most recently Minstrel in the Gallery. I was also revisiting the album Fandangos in Space from the flamenco prog band Carmen. Oh my. I will have to check them out. And holy hot damn, while reading more about Carmen, I learned that they opened for Tull on the War Child tour. That was how John Glascock got to know Ian Anderson and set the stage for him to join Tull when Carmen broke up. Wow. Isn't that awesome? That's so cool. Yeah. From deep in my tall hole, I thought, hey, someone probably talks about tall on a podcast. So I tried (laughs) to search on a whim. Big money, no whammies. And I found you fine fellows. Not just an episode or two dedicated to tall tunes, but a whole podcast dedicated to tullery. I'm so glad to know about Ian Henderson's Bag of Nails and that Bizarre Sweet Dream video. Thanks for talking tall to other fans like me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Thanks, AJ. Yeah. Thanks very much. So awesome to hear those. Send us emails. Make us feel good. They just, you know what, really, every time that I hear one of these emails, Nick, I, I just sort of, it just sort of makes me stop and consider my place in the universe and really, you know, how thankful I am to to get to talk tall to you and to the audience. And to have, have so many people, I mean, we, we'd be talking tall even if we weren't doing it on a podcast. We talked tall to ourselves for, for decades. Yeah, we would be talking to ourselves regardless, but to have an audience and to, for people to actually say, hey, I'm listening to this. You, you make it fun to listen to tall and really think about tall. Like that's... I went into this project knowing we would have a very small audience and it was it 100% a passion project, but it's so nice that people are actually enjoying it too. That's all. It's, it's such a bonus. Yeah. It's such a bonus track. It is. Nick. Yes. Omen, didn't you have, do you have some, did Mary give you some paper too? She did. She did. Yeah. I actually have a, a slight, an addendum, another addendum, a coda, if you will. I have a coda 
to paste onto one of our songs from one of our episodes from this album, actually. We might need it in an, an addendum sting as well. Ooh, okay. You ready? <laughs> yeah. It's about to get addendumized. Wow. I'll put some echo on that or something. Here's an alternate. Okay. Who's ready for a coda? <laughs> Here's one more. Let's get ready to review old material. That, that one just didn't flow. Uh, no, Can I try one? Wasn't good. Yeah, please. Addendum? Hardly know him. You brought him. You addendum. <laughs> I hate that so much. <laughs> <laughs> you hate it that you didn't come up with that. Is that right? <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 It's just as ugly as my children, but since it's not mine, I'm like, God. <laughs> um okay is that a saying i've never heard that before no that's not a saying just as ugly Um, as my children (laughs) it's about to get adendomized addendum hardly know him you brought him you addendum so cast your mind back to cry you a song cast your mind back to to cry you a song and here it is okay that was that was really good thank you so in the song to cry you a song we have the line, closing my dream inside its paper bag. Oh, are we going to get an actual explanation to this? Yes, we are, Nick. Nice. We had faffed and and flapped around the idea that that it was some sort of very sad reference of, you know, putting his dreams to bed for the night as he went to visit his, his wife. Mm-hmm. I have some factual evidence which says otherwise. Are you ready? Yes. Yes, I'm very excited. So when they were doing all this traveling, instead of having a nice tour suitcase, when, you know, they were on this really shoestring budget Uh in the early days, Ian Anderson would carry a lot of his personal possessions inside a paper shopping bag. Wow. It makes sense. And he even started incorporating that bag into the stage act where he was sort of coming up with this is this is all sort of like the the proto Aqualung type stuff where he was sort of developing this this odd straight stage persona. Yeah, that's that's slightly homeless looking character. The kind of yeah, exactly, exactly. The sort of vagrant weirdo with long hair. Yeah. The paper bag was was part of that, but it also functioned as literally his suitcase yes his suitcase yeah and guess who attributes the use of the paper bag to himself guess where guess where ian edson got the original idea of using the paper bag um martin Barr. incorrect it's jeffrey hammond hammond ah good old jeffrey apparently jeffrey used to carry his stuff around in a paper shopping bag 
And Ian Anderson thought, that's a wonderful idea. I too <laughs> shall set my possessions around in a paper bag. Yes, what obviously. What could possibly go wrong? But not in that accent, huh. uh, because he was Scottish. That's, yeah. That's pretty cool. And that's, and that's the addendum. Do you feel addendumized? I've never been addendumized before, so I I can't tell for sure. Wow. What were you doing in college? So that's that's it for addenda. Yes? Do you have anything else you wanted to throw in them? I have not. Okay. Then I reckon we should probably just dive right into the song that we are to talk tall about today. Let's listen to it. <laughs> Let's listen to Witch's Promise. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's listen to it. Omen. So, Nick. Yeah. Brain me what your brain is thinking. Through words. About this song. Allow me to brain you. I said before we started recording that I get this song... At least when I'm thinking about it, I get the song confused with Teacher. Yes, and I made fun of you. And you made fun of me. But, you great big jerk, (laughs) this was a single, and the B-side of that single was Teacher. No kidding. This was the A side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And it was it was in fact the last standalone single from the group that wasn't taken from an LP. Meaning I'm not gonna produce a song just to be a single. If you want a single to go on the radio, then take it off our album. Yeah, exactly. You big so and so. You big so and so. Wow. This is the first recording to feature John Evan on keyboard. That's magnificent. Even though it's the tail end of Benefit, and I think we've technically heard him prior to this, the recording of this song. Uh, Chronologically, this is the first time that he recorded with Jethro Tull. Exactly. Now, we should remind ourselves that that John Evan played with Ian Anderson back in the days of The Blades the Days of the Blades. The Days of the Blades and also the John Evan Band and also the John Evan Smash, under which name they were playing after the departure of John Evan, which is sort of amusing. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So they they smashed John they Evan smashed, out of the band? Smashed him out. No, I think he just, he had like, he had like other things to do. So the John, the John Evan Band, was that contemporary to tall no no it was pre-tall it was one of the proto-tall bands so was ian in that one ian was oh interesting okay yeah it seems that in those days there were a lot of bands who were being formed and breaking up all over the place and and some of those scenes some of the local scenes would be a bit incestuous you know they would they would swap musicians and a band would break up and yeah i mean it's just it's just like uh it's just like mick abrams breaking off to form bloodwind pig 
Sure. With who knows how many other members that he had been with at one point. or Some of whom I think they had actually played with Tull earlier when they were the John Evan band. I mean, there, there's, I, there's one, oh, wow, there's one yeah. fellow, I think a, a drummer who, who had been part of the John Evan smash and then subsequently became part of Bloodman Pig with, without ever having been in Jethro Tull. Huh. That's a, it seems, it seems like it was such a small world at that point. And there was so much energy going on. I mean, if you think about it from a, from a macro point of view, I imagine all these musicians as like electrons just busting off of the different atoms and smashing into each other. Cause there's just so much yeah. energy that's happening around rock and roll at this time. I mean, it was, it was really quite close to the, the big rock and roll bang, if you will. Yeah. We're still in the early days of the rock and roll universe. Yeah, they're, they're, the planets are still forming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A little more about John Evan. He was sharing a flat with Ian Anderson at the time and agreed to perform as a session musician. And basically that led him to joining the band full time. And this, this song has really gorgeous string in it. It sure does. Who were those string players? It's it's not actually I mean it is a string, but it's a Mellotron. I it's it's John Evan playing the Mellotron. Which is a keyboard. I thought they stopped making those movies. <laughs> I forgot I I hope so. I sure hope so. Marky Mark dropped out of it a while ago. <laughs> So the Mellotron is a tape replay keyboard that can emulate a string section. So I think each each key has just a single string note or maybe like a string sting and you just put them together that way. So it's basically like a really early synthesizer, I guess. That is insane. And that really gorgeous string, but it's, I mean, it is a recording of a string. That's so insane. You know, because a synthesizer, Yeah. the the definition of synthesizer is it, it basically creates that sound from whole cloth, but this is playing a sound that was played already. It's so convincing. It really sounds like, like a little quartet that they hired. Not only that, but it does have that feeling of the other tall strings that we hear later on, which most are D Palmer, I believe once D joins the band arranged by or played by, I think uh, arranged. Mm. I think D does a lot of the arranging, but you know, honestly, maybe later stuff um, Ian does as well, but, but this is somehow and and maybe I'm completely biased just because I've been listening to all of their albums and it's all mixed back in my mind. Yeah. And only now am I st- starting to really think of who's doing what. Right. But I, I feel like, I mean, listen to these strings and then go listen to the strings in War Child. They sound similar. Right. You know, maybe it's John Evan doing the strings in that too. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that all Scottish people are stingy. I am saying that, that at this time, the band was on a very tight budget. 
Sure. And I can just imagine the moment when John Evan, to his flatmate over a half-heated can of Irish stew, <laughs> was like, hey, Ian, you know there's this machine that can replicate the sound of strings and sound like an entire, you know, eight-piece string section? I can just imagine Ian's eyes, like, lighting up with money saved and music able to happen. And so Mellotron was brought down to the recording studio. They they promised him an Allspark. Yeah. I, I don't think... Allspark TM. I don't think... <laughs> thanks, thanks for covering our butts there. <laughs> I, I don't... I don't think that's a Scottish thing. I think that's a shoestring budget, like what can we do to get that sound that we really want Mm -hmm. without paying for a full session with, with a, a, even, even a quartet. Yeah. Which we can't afford. Unless you know some, some people who would be willing to play, you know? Right. Which I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Ian could scrounge together a quartet. I don't know. I think at this point they were pretty insular. I think that they mostly knew each other. Sure. Ian Anderson isn't, you know, certainly isn't going out to, parties and chatting up string players and yeah fair enough what is it called rubbing el- rubbing the skin skinning the elbows Rub- what what rubbing elbows <laughs> rubbing rubbing, Rub- elbows. rubbing the skin <laughs> greasing palms so no, that's something else that's like bribery that's like that's like bribery hey it, no, it is bribery. i'll give you ten dollars to say that that's like bribery <laughs> <laughs> only if you rub my skin <laughs> Yeah, wow, amazing. And you know, and the effect that that the addition of the keys and the and the mellotron has on this song is just incredible. It makes it yeah. so rich, it makes it so dense. We haven't we literally haven't even talked about the song yet. Yeah. Yeah. And that the strings don't come in until at least halfway through. I forgot they were in there, so I was really surprised. Every time I hear strings come in, any tall song, any time I hear strings come in, I'm I'm just, it takes it to another level. It really does. Let's jump in to the brass tacks. Ouch. Yeah. Do you want to do musical brass tacks or lyrical brass tacks? I, let's do lyrical. Okay. Nick. Yeah. WTF. Uh, why I always let you ask me this one. <laughs> yeah. What is this song? What is this song about? What oh, is this song gosh. about? I can tell you what teacher is about. I, I can't. I don't. Like when you listen to this song, what is the story in your head? I... I have a tendency to be naive when it comes to lyrics and just like take it for the surface value. So to be to be literal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, and, you're a Taurus. I got nothing. I got nothing on that. <laughs> um. Okay. So so your literal interpretation of this then is what? Talk, talk Taurus to me. Um. Oh. <laughs> but you you always come up with with like an underlying meaning something there and i don't think that has anything to do with you being a pisces <sighs> except you have to be drunk to, to understand it is that is that what we're pisces determining aren't, here are drunk they're just fishes they they like they like the liquid 
So, so in terms of your literal approach, you know, what, what literally do you think this song is about? What, what does it do for you? Or is it just one of those things you listen to and you're like, it's a, it's a jam. It's a, it's a romper, if you will. I think for, I would certainly not call this a romper. I think it is a jam though. I'll give you jam. I, I'll take jam. I think I stopped trying to understand it. Yeah. After listening to it so many times without being able to really decipher it mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. it, it it became one of those where it's like okay the nice flutes in there i'll i'll, I'll listen to it because it, it's a nice sounding song but look l- listening to it again and, and looking at the lyrics and and reading along it definitely feels like there's some sort of allegory there but okay yeah so I feel I feel like there's an allegory there because there's an allegory to every fairy tale. And this is a fairy tale. Go on. I can't tell you what the allegory is. But <laughs> it feels like fairy tale is? it feels like a fairy tale, like an adult fairy tale. Like like it Ooh. normally a fairy tale happens to a kid, you yeah, know, and yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a it's a warning tale. Hansel this feels like it's happened to Yeah, exactly. But this feels like it's happened to an adult man. Mm, the fool, if you will. Sure, yeah. Yeah, your your touchstone or your Well, so so this is definitely, definitely not autobiographical. This is definitely no, not no. I'm flying to London to see my sweetie. Yeah. This is this is like and I think this is why I love this song so much. This is like from the glade of pure imagination that is the mind of Jethro Tull. Like, we are in the gumdrop forest right now. Yeah. And I feel like it's really coming from a place of ease with his songwriting and a place of, even though the the lyrics are, are quite mixed in tone and sort of dark, there's a lightness and an easiness with, with which he's singing, perhaps because he's not the protagonist. He's not the one struggling in the song. Huh. I do think that there's a warning, an implicit warning in, in this, but I mean I can't I can't quite figure it out. What I what I do get out of it is this this repeating motif of autumn, leaves falling mm-hmm. red, yellow, brown, all the same. Yep. Meanwhile, leaves are still falling. Yep. Yep. E- even uh washed clean by the by the water, uh, lay outside in the rain. Leaves falling red, yellow, brown, all over. You know, there's this there's this kind of inevitable autum autumnality, autumnality, autumnalness, autumnicity, autumtum, fallishness, autumtum, autumtum, But but here's the other thing is that I feel like he's that he's he's addressing various he's he's not addressing one person yeah through the song it changes he's first speaking to the person that we could call the fool uh-huh the the we could assume the man that's being acted upon and then sometimes he's talking to the witch oh 
No, see at the are you talking about the last verse? Oh yeah. No, see I don't I think I think that last verse is speaking to the man's family or his wife or something like that. Mm. Explaining, oh, he's he's not going to be back. He He's he, been enchanted. He's been enchanted. He kissed a witch in the woods. He's, you know what? Don't stay up for him. You know what this almost feels like to me? And this is why I think it reminds me so much of Songs from the Wood. It feels like it's connected to some of that really ancient English sort of folk mythology. It reminds me of yeah. the, reminds me of the the story of Tam Lin. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. Do you know that, that there's a song? Uh, there's a there's certainly some songs about it. It's also a legend. Tam Lin is a is a man who gets caught by the fairy queen, basically, mm. and uh, and whisked away to fairyland. And then various things happen in the various versions as to whether or not he gets out. Mm. But it, it feels like that kind of thing. It sort of feels like you know the mortal entering the realm of the of the supernatural or the or the um, the half in this world. You know the magical. Yeah. And getting somehow trapped or half trapped. Yeah. He's overstepped his boundaries, and those boundaries are there for a reason. Let him be the lesson, right? Because whatever the promise is. He's not benefiting. He's not benefiting from it. Yeah, that's the thing. The witch's promise would theoretically be something she promises to him. I would imagine. The witch's promise was coming. But we don't know what that is. No, we don't. It's not explicit. Yeah. And so it's... First verse, witch's promise was coming. Second verse, witch's promise was coming. Then we have the bridge... Third verse, the witch's promise is turning. Ooh, so don't wait up for him. He's going to be late. So first and second verse are talking to the fool. It's past tense. The witch's promise was coming. Last verse, talking to the family or, or whatever. The witch's promise is turning. Meaning she's come to collect her debts? Mm, or the promise is, is turning into something else. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, the, the truth is being revealed right. as to what it actually is. But we don't know what it is. We don't know. <laughs> Even the beginning, though. Lend me your ear while I call you a fool. Lend me your ear while I call you a fool. It just has that kind of ancient mummers show oh, yeah. kind of storytelling. Absolutely. Gather around my my children. Listen to the tale. Listen to the tale of the 18th century seed driller. Of this, this dude who now has the ears of an ass because he fell in love with the fairy queen. Or he's a, he's a stone statue out in the... Out in the um, yeah, in the forest. Yeah, it's it's the it's uh, uh, they found a stone that vaguely looks like a human, mm. and then the story gets passed down from generation to generation. Wow. Yeah, I feel like there's something that we're missing. <laughs> like, no, I do. I feel uh, like I feel like all of this is 100 percent on point, and I feel like there's some layer 
of the Ian Anderson onion that we have not that we that we with our our dull knives have not reached. I I cannot agree more. I also cannot fathom what it would be. I yeah. This is definitely one of the songs and one of the few so far that has me pretty well stumped in terms of its content. Yeah. I would this is one of the few that I would in an interview like ask him ask him about this song. Oh, I thought I I imagined you being interviewed by someone. <laughs> like, uh-huh. And then and then Bill Moyers is like, "So Nick, tell me about a witch's promise." Well, Bill, um, I would love to ask that exact same question to Ian Anderson. Oh, that was nice. That was very deft of you. <laughs> I just, I, I like this song. It's even more of a pickle to me now. It's more infuriating to me. Like, if, if I didn't think that the music for this song was so brilliant and so ebullient, ebullient, one of those is a word. I, you know, if it was just sort of like a standard scoot do tall song and it had these weird lyrics, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. It's like a thing. But because it's so brilliant and so well crafted and the, and the, and the, the lyrics aren't opaque exactly, but they're not exactly transparent. They're that thing in between. What's that called? Not opaque and not in between. No, not opaque and not transparent. Isn't opaque slightly see-through? No, opaque is the one that's totally not see-through. Oh, tra- <laughs> translucent. There you go. <laughs> translucent. You know what's translucent, Nick? What is translucent? A single layer of an onion. I mean, it depends on the... If it's separated the layer, from the rest of the layer. Oh, there you go. Translucent. Yeah, that bright enough flashlight. I've been holding flashlights to onions for days, Nick, getting ready for this metaphor. <laughs> Not it doesn't work. Nope. Yeah, this song this song is incredible. It it's gonna haunt me tonight. It's really I think I've I've as much as I liked it, it I think I've got a little more of an appreciation for this song. Yeah. Yeah. Us really like trying to dig into it. And I'm I'm definitely gonna be listening to it more regularly and with with different ears now i'm gonna turn back on the 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 problem solving ears love it and try to really i i want to know somebody please write in and let us know your thoughts i also do think that this song is so good for this season like this song makes me feel Mm. like i've got on my new corduroy jacket and i'm walking down to the farmer's market to buy some butternut squash and I'm having a spiced latte on my way down there. To me, it's it's less, it's more bucolic. Mm. It's walking through the woods. You hear, you can hear that whoosh, whoosh, whoosh as you're walking through like the the ankle deep leaves. You know, I do know what you mean. And a lot like maybe you have a walking stick. The secondary smell for our scented candle from last week, mm. it's that there's that smell of that the leaves as they're starting to rot, but mm-hmm. it's that bright, the leaves are still bright. They've just fallen, but it's, it's, they're starting to rot. There's a little, maybe you have a, 
as beautiful as it a crisp apple in your pocket. Yeah. And as beautiful as it is, there's always that hint of death. You don't get that smell without death, without rot. Right, right. Yeah. Just a hint of death. Just a hint of death. That's how I like my soup. Well, on that note. You want, you want to cover anything musically? I think you're about ready to wrap up, but do you want to address anything musically? I think we said it. It's brilliant. It's so layered. It is Martin Barr showing off that he is not just an electric guitarist, but also an acousticat as well. Yeah, it's it's some really nice acoustic in this. It's so gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. Ian's flute is really nice. Ooh, it's so delightful. John Evans' piano, even far before the Mellotron, before that string comes up, which comes out of nowhere about halfway through and just tickles me every time. His piano is really, really nice. It's yeah. super subtle. The whole thing is so effortless, it feels. Yeah. Yeah. It's it is a it is a an equinox dance of a song for Jethro Tull. It is an effortless, effervescent, euphoric Equinox. Equinox. Eulogy? Yeah. No, no, that's it's too a, much. It's a witchy wow wow. <laughs> it's a placid promise. It's a placid pocket of promises. Mm. <laughs> too much. Too much. Too much too far. <sighs> so I I mean I'm I think that's a, a good a, a a decent wrap up for for Witch's Promise. I think yeah, I think that if we if we talk any more about this song we will be trapped by the witch and you will find us next autumn standing here in a pile of leaves still thinking about this song i think we should yeah i think we should get out while we can for everyone's safety yeah yeah i'm afraid we have to stay here in podcast land But there's no reason why you nice people can't go out into the real world and enjoy your day. But before you do, we would like you to release us from the confines of this self-made prison by giving us the magical totem of a five-star review. Make us a witch's promise that you'll give us a review. (laughs) Hey, Nick. Yeah, Omen. What are we listening to next week? Next week is the third bonus track off of Benefit, Just Trying to Be. Oh. It's a nice little mellow one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until then. I'm Nick McGill. I'm Omen Sade. We are Feckless Moms. And this is Talk Tall to Me. Told to me is a proud member of the Feckless Bones Audio Network. <laughs> Where did I put that eye of newt?